Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to All Stats That We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the right back tasked with defending against Jack Clark of the podcast. When will this nightmare end? And I'm joined today by the Ilan Melier fingertip save of the podcast. I pulled this save out for literally no reason at all. It's Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. Thank you very much. I'm well fed. I've had two mince pies today in 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 the interest of science and um and I've watched Leeds Sunderland I've watched Leeds get beat by Sunderland again this afternoon, so you know, what could be better? <laughs> exactly. Well I've also had a mince pie today. Um I had one from Sainsbury's, just one there, box standard ones, not the dismissal like, ones or whatever their version of that is. Um but it was it was quite good. Which one did you have today? I had um an al- was an almond mince tart from um Aldi. And I've had these before, and they're very good. So, highly nice recommended. Work. Nice work. I'll have to give those a go. But we're not here to talk, talk about mince pies. Um, but we may look at that in the future for a more Christmas-related question. <laughs> <laughs> we're here today to discuss our 1-0 loss away to Sunderland. And it certainly has been a long time since we've had to discuss a loss, hasn't it, Dan? Yeah, it has been a while. When was it? The 25th End- of October. Yeah, the Stoke so, game. Yeah, it doesn't seem yeah. long ago, but it is a long time ago, isn't it? In yeah, it term. is. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah we shouldn't complain, really, should we? It's been all right. Well, Leeds fans love to complain in general, so yeah, yeah. We'll, allow, we'll allow it. But we'll get into the game a bit more soon. The only bit of news we've got really got is the confirmation of how long Byram is going to be out for, which I think it's said to be about two to three weeks. Uh, so does that concern you? It, it does, yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's been pretty good. I think our build-up is generally on the left-hand side has been good with Byram playing, largely. Um Although we talk about Spence, I think he did okay yesterday there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just lack of options, isn't it? You know, having to play Spence there, which is not ideal, I don't think. And you know, I'd rather see him on the right. Um, so yeah, it does concern me, and, I, and it concerns me around burning out players like Spence and, and and Gray, who's played loads of football and not been able to rotate in a busy period when we've got like a game every two, three days, whatever it is. Coming up, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I agree with that, especially on the part about burning out the players who uh, won Spence, who's just come back from a pretty lengthy injury, and Gray has already played a lot of football, and he's still so young, so we don't want him to get injured. And it's a 
probably a bit concerning that both our right back isn't a right back and our left back isn't a left back. But I guess Byram is also in the same boat, so it's not necessarily a problem that Spence is a right back playing at left back because but we'll talk more about Spence later. But he did reasonably well, I thought, but we'll cover that in more detail later. Let's on to the game. So we'll go over our game summary as usual. Leeds approach this game with their usual 4-2-3-1 shape, with Sunderland making a change to their usual shape, employing a 3-4-3 system. In the initial 25 minutes, Leeds dominated the majority of possession, creating more chances with Sunderland not having a shot inside the opening 20 minutes. Sunderland got a foothold into the game after this and they started testing the ball more, and for the remainder of the half, Leeds didn't have a shot. However, both teams struggled to create many clear-cut chances, with the best chance of the half being Sunderland from a set-piece, uh, the one which was cleared kind of off the line by Strauch. In the second half, both sides had spells of possession, with Leeds just about edging the battle. And whether again, both teams struggled to create many good chances, with Leeds just about having the better chances. This changed when Sunderland scored in the 78th minute. Leeds failed to clear across far enough for the loose ball being headed into the path of Joe Bellingham, who beat Melier to the ball and headed in from close range. Then for what remained of the game, Leeds dominated possession, did keep close with a late chance from Perot, but weren't able to equalise, and the game ended 1-0 to Sunderland. So, we'll fire straight into the interrogation. First question, we only created 0.55 XG per FB ref, which is the second lowest XG tally of the season. The only game which was worse than this was against Birmingham, in which we were missing a lot of attacking talent, and I believe that was a game which Chickleton played on the right wing. Uh, so yeah, that puts into perspective how different the team was back then to now. So what would you put this down to? Why weren't we able to create as many chances in this game, do you feel? I, w- I wonder if it's part of a wider pattern. I mean, against Blackburn, we only created YXG. So, you know, we've put a 1.5 across two games, which is pretty low. Um, our attacking play against Blackburn wasn't brilliant. It was fine. It was good enough. It got the job done. Um, but I just wonder across the two games, there's this, you know, I don't know, lack of tempo or lack of, a lack of spark in there maybe as if perhaps some players carrying injuries at the moment and, and tiredness and I just think it all looks a bit laboured and there's not really a lot of great movement um, with the forward line at the moment and I wonder also if perhaps teams are getting a little bit wise and they're not going to step in out as much against us in, in the same way I mean Sunderland certainly didn't yesterday and I think Blackburn Blackburn did a bit hence we probably got got those chances to win the game but yeah I just wonder if it's a bit of you know accumulated fatigue um, because we're not rotating the squad and we've got, you know, Farks just playing the same same eleven every week and um the opposition approach. And I suppose the last two games have been the the conditions aren't great for playing good football, two kind of quite windy, wet games as well, which obviously I think impacts the football a bit as well. I think their factors probably in those two games. I felt that when I was, I was at the Blackburn game and I felt that in the game, you know, a lot of passes that weren't quite just hitting the mark or they were just behind the man or the first touches weren't quite so good and they're giving the opposition chance to get in there uh, and and and, and break things up so yeah it's just just a bit of a, bit of a sticky spell for a number of small reasons i think yeah i would agree with that i'm glad that you brought up the burn game as well because as, as that is something which on my mind as well um that we weren't able to create as me- as much as we normally do in in that game and i was hoping it was just going to be a, a blip and that we'd get back to usual service in this game but it just didn't really play out that way we struggled for a lot of reasons in this game and I think one of the things which a lot of our attackers were trying to do in this game was trying to carry the ball through the defence too often and especially taking too many touches and just trying to hero ball it and that isn't always what needed and a lot of our attackers' first route to get inside the box is is pretty much always 
to carry it into, into the box. And sometimes a bit of variance would be better. And he'd have, and a few also, like you mentioned, the players not quite at the usual levels, I think. I think particularly Mouter in this game, I, I think he possibly is still carrying some sort of injury. Uh, I think it was mentioned, that, I think, by you actually in the group chat that he's holding his side a fair bit during the past two games. So it's potential that he's not at his best, and that is why he's not firing in all cylinders. But yeah, Fark himself put this down to Sunderland, sitting deep in a low block. Uh, would you agree with that? Um, yes. I mean, Sunderland had a really good lo- Their low block was good, and it was it was packed, and it was really hard. And, you know, low blocks are hard to break down, aren't they? It's not... It's nothing new. Um, so kind of credit to Sunderland for their low block. And it's it's up to us as the team chasing promotion, automatic promotion, to be breaking these teams down. And we weren't able to do that. You know, we were just kind of horseshoeing round, weren't we? You know, they were just sighting that kind of deep deep back five with a with a, a three or a, or a four in front of that five. And we were just kind of, we were just passing it from side to side and going round, weren't we, like a horseshoe? And that's, and, and I, I don't know, the attack kind of lacked any depth and weren't able to get any runners in behind or weren't able to move them around or draw them out. So, yeah, Fark's right that the, the the low block was was the was a big factor, but it's up to him to work out a way of breaking that down, and he didn't do that, or his team didn't do that. Personally, I saw it a bit differently, at least in the first half. Um, I didn't think Sunderland had a low block at all in the first half. It, I, I think it did go into. No, that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, I'm talking second half when we we're dominating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. First half, first half, it was more transitional game, wasn't it? I guess. Yeah, in the first half, especially they had five men in our half. Pretty much all times, uh, they had the, the three attackers, and then they had both of the midfielders were in, were in our half as well, and they were doing a pretty good job actually of pulling us into wide areas. And then what their fullbacks were doing was pushing up as well on on onto our have a wing back or winger if they dropped a bit deep to take it. So I felt they did a good good job in the in the first half of being quite aggressive with, with that mid block, and it worked. And then. I think they started in the, the second half to recede a little bit from that, and then as the half wore on, they continued to recede to, to, to when it did eventually get to a full-on low block. And the most uh, yeah, attackers, most defenders they had in our half was two really. Was um, I think it was um, Bar and Pritchard. I think were there, there two who were mainly in our half. So. It changed quite a bit. I think what they were doing is sometimes the wingers would form a front two and Pritchard was almost be like a 10. So it was like a 3-5-2 occasionally, but with a, a more advanced, you know, Pritchard like advanced of the two midfielders kind of, wasn't it? It's somewhere between a 3-5-2 and a 3-4-3 and a, uh, type shape, wasn't it? You know, and Pritchard could drop in with the midfield and sometimes the wingers would drop in wide. So yeah, it was... Yeah, I do think that more could have been done in the first half um, by us, especially because I think there was more space to work in in the first half. Uh, but I will give Sunderland credit because well, their block was good. Um, it did limit our options on the ball, and we really had to work to try to get the ball to the final third. And then when we did get it to the final third, there was more bodies there than there would have been normally for their normal shape. And I think that's also another thing which plays up that they have different formation to usual. Um, do, do you think this, this was quite effective? And if so, why do you think it was? Well, just 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 jumping back, notice that they weren't do it taking the bait, were they on Melier? They were just leaving Melier to carry the ball, and Melier was coming a long way out with the ball, and they were just ignoring him. They were just the, the front two were just marking our centre backs, weren't they? And making and forcing Melier to play it in. But yeah, to to the question you just asked, sorry, I'll just jump back on there. Um, yeah, I think it was it was it, in in terms of in terms of us breaking them down. I just felt felt that their their formation meant they could get back into shape and get bodies in the way, and you know it was just in terms of low block, it was fairly standard stuff, but. I thought it was quite um, 
it helped them with their build-up at times, especially in the first half. Um, I think we were kind of, the way we pressed, the, them having a back three kind of drew a lot of our players out of our midfield into pressing them. And I thought if they were able to break the press, then they had a lot of space to to, to move into where we've been drawn out. So, you know, we've got this habit, haven't we, at the moment, which I'm not particularly keen on, really, that we're pressing the keeper. So therefore, you know, Rutuk goes and presses the keeper, then Perot's got to step up onto a centre-back and then Kamara's got to follow him out and Somerville follow him out. And then if they break that, then there's a lot of, get a lot of space, isn't there? And I think there was a lot of times that they were, they were kind of breaking that, that front press. And a lot of times we weren't, you know, the, we had some good moments in, in the press and we won the ball high sometimes. But um, I just thought they were fairly successful, particularly the first half of breaking through that. And I, I think that was to do with the formation and the back three. Um, and then the good rotation of the four in front of that back three meant that you know it kind of broke our press quite a lot, I think. So yeah, that was that made it difficult, and I think that's that's what helped them get on top in the first half. You know, like effectively, you know, them them funneling us, funneling us into wide areas and stopping us being effective, and then uh, neutralizing our press a lot of the time, not all the, not the whole time, but you know, a good good amount of the game. I would agree that it was it was an effective shape and change to the usual, um, and I don't think we will have been expecting that. Because it isn't a shape, a shape which Sunderland have used at all this season. They've always had a back four, and it's either been a four-four-two or a four-one-four-one, or whatever it is, four-two-three-one. So yeah, the, there's not not really been too much variation in, in that from them, and that I think we will have been practicing in training in the games in the days. We will have had many days of training in preparation for this, but we will have been pairing with a four-one-four-one in mind. So that will definitely have disrupted the way that we were looking to press. And I think the back three, especially, helped them in build-up because both of the, of the outside centre-backs, um, I think it was 0-9 and sealed, I believe. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah. they both, on a number of occasions, managed to do some very nice carrying past the, the presser, especially Perot. He was got by a few times. Um I think that's also something you don't want Pro doing is being part of the forward press. And because they had a back three, he was kind of forced into moving a little bit further forward, I think, which is where we want him. We want him to be that second line of the press, sitting on the midfielders like we have been doing. But this change of Sunderland's forced us to change our plan, I think, pretty much straight away as soon as the match started. So they were able to get by it. Luckily, they, I don't think they created too much from this bypassing of our build-up. I think we were generally quite good at defending our bot um, for a lot of the time. And I think there was just, in the first half, I think it was really just the, the save from the set-piece. And I think that it was mainly set-piece threat which Sunderland gave us in the first half. But in open play, I'd say, really, Yeah, I'd say so. A couple of couple of moments from, from um, Jack Clark on Gray, but... but- I mean, beyond beyond the foul that he won and giving you, I don't think it came to much. Jack Clark, it was it kind of felt like a hairy moment, but I don't know. Work did it come to much? Maybe a couple of balls that flashed across the box. Maybe that was it. Yeah, that's why I felt as well. I think there was. A, I think I felt worse on the matchup when I was watching it live, but on the on the watch back, it wasn't really a massive amount of danger created from those situations. Um, I think Gray did better better than I remembered in a, in a couple of instances, um, and. He, he managed to put it out for a corner or put it out for a throw in, in other occasions. So it wasn't a complete battering <laughs> for Gray. He was probably up against one of the best individual dribblers in the league. So he's going to be beaten a, a few times. I mean, I, I, the, I mean, there was that one time, obviously, he got caught, didn't he? And I think it, that was a case of pace more than anything else. He just got he got behind um, and, and fouled him and got given the yellow card. And that was just a pure case of pace, I think. And the other occasions, I think, Gray did a fairly good job of kind of jockeying him and sticking to him. 
and and forcing Clark to release the ball um, in not particularly, like I say, not particularly dangerous situation. So yeah, yeah, and the watch back, it it was nowhere near the the tough after, the, the tough the tough game that I remember for Gray. I mean, it was tough, but but nowhere near as tough. Just going going back on the four three three four three. We're jumping around here. I'm sorry, it's my fault. This um, I thought, like I said, I said I mentioned our press. There were some occasions where we won the ball quite in quite good positions, and but I think because they had like a back four, sorry, back three, and then sometimes a deep four in front of them. Like uh, quite a few times, we won the ball, and I was like pausing the screen when I'm watching it back, and they had seven players in position, so our counter presses came to nothing. You know, we were winning the ball in good areas, but then. We were just swarm straight away, so they'd have three, and they'd have you know a double pivot, and the wing backs often quite tucked in quite narrow or sometimes. So I just they were very good Sunderland because perhaps because of the formation or because through, through discipline that at counter counter pressing moments that Leeds won, um, it, they were they were quick at snuffing those out. So yeah, perhaps that's a formation thing as well on that yeah. front. No, I would agree with that. I, I, that's not something I would actually picked up myself, but that does make sense because um, uh, quite often we, we did win the ball in higher areas. Uh, about I'd say probably about three, maybe four times in the first half, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why Sunderland sat back a little, a little bit deeper and maybe was looking to play more transitionally rather than anything. But yeah, yeah, like I said, I, yeah, I paused, I paused it, and I was like, right, and count the players, seven players behind the ball, and we'd won the ball, and within four seconds they've got seven players there, and it's just like, what can you do with that? You know, it's hard. Yeah, it is difficult, and it's one of the things which has frustrated a lot of managers. Um, is is deep defending, and even if they were at times in a mid block, there were also other moments where there were having a lot of men behind the ball, so it makes it difficult. But on to a bit of a more player orientated question, there's been a fair amount of fans saying that Fark made a mistake playing Spence at left back with straight right back, and we had a question from Tom Olson who couldn't help tonight. Lady bugger. Uh, but would Spence at right back have made any difference? Could he have contained Clark better and helped us progress and threaten more on the right? Um, I do think Spence would have done a. He would have contained Clark better than Gray. I mean, I think um, you know Spence is bigger, is faster, is more adept at defending one on one, is a more experienced fullback. You know, Gray isn't a fullback, uh, and I think Spence would have done a job dominating Clark and would have probably pushed him the other way. I think Spence would have been too much physically for Clark. You know, I mean, Clark would have had good, good moments because he's a very good player, but I think Spence might have um, been able to turn Clark back in it a little bit more. So in that respect, I think it might have helped, particularly in the first half. I think perhaps Spence might have pushed Clark back and, and reduced that threat quite a bit. Um, and I, and this isn't this isn't a dig at Spence because actually watching back, I really I really enjoyed Spence's performance. Watching him, enjoyed probably a bit strong, but I really thought Spence's performance was good on the watch back, better than I remember really um, from left back. But I just think. If he'd been on the right, if he'd put that performance in and been on his natural side, we might have got some more output from him. So I'm I'm up for getting Spence out there and perhaps even just playing great at left back, you know, and just tucking him in, you know, having the, the inverted left back doing it that way around and, and, and getting Spence on the right doing the overlap thing and ready for, hopefully, touch wood, a left back coming in January. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I th- I, I'm kind of fond on the other side of this where I can see that, he would have made a difference going forward for us, but I also think it would have exposed us more to Clark um, because because if we would have had Spence on on that side, then he would have been the high and wide right back, so we'd have to shift the, the dynamic like you mentioned. And if the, that side of it was in that there, then you would have had Camera defending against Clark because he he would have tucked in to cover that area when Spence got forward and. Don't think Camera would have done a good job at all against Clark. Um, I think he would have really struggled more than more so than what Gray did. 
Um, I realise Cameron is a more experienced player than Gray, but I do think that Gray is a better defensive player than what Cameron is, especially in 1v1 battles. And I just think that although it would have given us some extra emphasis going forward, I think it would have weakened us defensively. So, and I think that might have been what Clark was thinking as to playing them in that order because there was less threat on the other side than this one. And maybe against a different different opponent, and if, if the more threatening winger was on the other side, then maybe that would have worked for me. But I, I don't think the risk would have been worth it. But I think yeah. Spence was still quite effective on the left, especially as the game went on. I think the first half he wasn't as good, but second half he was he was really good, and it's, and we could have easily got more from his efforts. And he did did do a few nice dribbles past players and good carries carries the ball. And linking up with Somerville as well. That's another aspect which shouldn't be underestimated is the chemistry that they both do clearly have together. You can see it. Um, and I'm not sure if they would have had the same chemistry with Dan James on that side. And speaking of Dan James, I don't think he had, he had a great game, at least compared to the few games that he's had. No, I mean, I would, I'd like to see the Spence-Nonto dynamic on the right at some point this season, particularly if we get left-back sorted out. Um, I think that's the non, that's the... That's the combo that's going to work on that right side in the current squad. So I think Nonto comes in field, gets involved and build up quite well and, and is quite a creative guy. can come inside and go outside. So I think Nonto could make it work. And I think him and Spence could have a good thing there. So I'd, I'd be up for seeing that longer term. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I take your point on Spence. If we played him on the right, he he would be potentially risky. The risk is he would be caught upfield. But I've got it written here like it's risk versus reward, isn't it? And perhaps him being that such a dangerous player might drag Clark the other way and Clark would be doing his work deep, you know, we'd be picking the ball up deeper, which would be a good thing because Clark isn't the quickest. I mean, we saw that when Spence uh, and Somerville burned him, burnt him in the uh, the second half. I don't think Clark's mega quick, is he? You know, he's, he's, um, I think we could, you know, if Clark is picking up and doing his dribbly stuff from, you know, in, in the midfield area, we could probably get back and, 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 and um, and defend him that way. So, there, you know, there's a risk versus reward with players like Spence, isn't it? And I think perhaps if you play him on the right, you, you drag Clark the other way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but next question, how did you feel our out-of-possession plan worked against Sunderland? And was there any differences in this game to our approach over the last few games, did you feel? Um, no, I thought, like I said, our possession was all right. Um, like We won the ball high quite a bit. We weren't able to turn those those high regains into anything from an attacking perspective. That was the disappointing part. But um, Sunderland generated one XG on a night where we were pretty bad. And 0.4 of that was one like free kick beyond the goal. So it's not like I don't think it was a disastrous defensive performance. It wasn't as dominant as it was at Blackburn. You know, the centre backs. Well, strike was fine, but I think Roden had a slightly more shaky game last night compared to the Blackburn game. But I'm picking hairs there, really. You know, I'm picking hairs. I'm splitting hairs there, really. Um, so no, I think our possession was basically basically just about right. Um, like I say, we didn't we didn't get completely opened up apart from set pieces. I think, like you say. Um, Clark got a one-on-one against Gray a few times first half, but we kind of we dealt with that. You know, as the game went on, Clark became less and less of a factor. I felt so. I felt we dealt with that and adapted to that pretty well. So no major group, no major problems for me there. Um, the only uh, the, the only thing is getting played round and, and being a bit over aggressive at times uh, and emptying the midfield doing that uh, against their back three. But again, I think we we got to grips with that in second half. That wasn't an issue. You know, we dominated the game. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned the second half because I felt that the second half we, we were weren't quite as aggressive as the first half. And I think that may have changed as the first half wore on as well. Like towards the latter part of the first half, I think that we 
weren't pressing quite as intensely on the outside centre-backs because of how often they had managed to dribble past us. So I think we were we aware for that and we were just looking to press into different areas and trying to win the ball through, from them passing the midfield rather than trying to press them into mistakes because they had the talent to be able to carry past that. So yeah, I think it did overall, the, the plan worked and it was quite similar to what we did at Blackburn, I think. So not quite as intense as the home games that we've had. I think that I think this seems to be the away strategy to, although it is still quite aggressive, it's not quite a full high press. But yeah. It was good either way, I think. I'll draw a distinction between height and aggression slightly. Like first half we, we pressed Kai and second half we didn't press as high, but I still thought we were quite aggressive second half, if that makes sense. Like in our duels and the it's probably intensity maybe is the right word. Probably it's probably the right I said. I thought the intensity perhaps went up second half, but we did it in deeper areas, if that makes sense, and we like, you know, we ganged up on them a bit and won the ball and, and dominated for that. So yeah. I'm I'm basically agreeing with you, it's just phraseology, I guess. No, 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 that's, that's fine. That, I think better ways of explaining it. So, so yeah, that, that works for me. Um, but before we move on to the next question, it is time for an ad break. And if you want to avoid this and get lots of other benefits, you can sign up for our Patreon at Dan, take it away. Patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. Perfect. Thank you, Dan. Or well, Max, Max. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome back. Um, for those who were listening on Patreon, you all have had that break there. Very nice. Um, but next question. When chasing the game, we again saw the very attacking 3-4-3 system, which probably looks more like a 3-1-6 formation. Um, what do you make to this strategy, which Fark seems to often use when we are behind? It's, uh, it's, it's not. I mean, it's, it's just lacking imagination, isn't it? It's just throwing good players on the pitch and in, in a rough order of play and hoping it's going to work. Um, I mean, it's got us out of trouble a couple of times. It worked at Norwich away. It's probably another game early in the season where we got something out of a game. I forget when. So it has worked because we've got like a lot of great attacking players on the bench and, you know, they can bring something. But from a coaching perspective, um, yeah, it's lacking imagination, isn't it? Like it's just, it's just chucking all your best players on and taking a defender off and bringing an attacker on and, you know, extra attacker gives you more attack. It's a bit basic stuff, isn't it really? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, it's not something that, I, that I'm a fan of. It is something which um, I used to do on Football Manager when <laughs> I first started playing it. Oh, I'm losing. I better shove another, another attacker on and, and, and go with three strikers. <laughs> it's just, it's it annoys me when it happens. However, I can, to a degree, understand it because with, with us having so many OP attackers for the division, it's 
going to work sometimes I do that but not something that i'm a major fan of particularly <laughs> there's got to be a more inventive way of drawing it i mean in this case we're trying to draw something out weren't we so there's got to be a more inventive way of opening them up rather than just you know swapping a winger for a full swapping a fullback for a winger you know type of thing so yeah exactly and i think it, it will on other occasion it probably work against us and we could quite easily concede um in this sort of setup and it didn't in this this case work very well i don't, I don't think we created too much made that, that one chance from bro i think was the only one and they got a bit lucky with that one i think um they managed to get, get a player on the line didn't they? i think it was hume who cleared it off, off the line which was strange but yeah did you feel that Fark waited too long to make that change? Not really. I mean, I, th- I think there were players that were out of sorts, like say Ritter was out of sorts. Um, perhaps profile-wise, Joseph might have been a better choice, someone like someone that's going to be on the last line, on the shoulders of the centre-backs, just to kind of add a bit, a bit of depth to the attack, maybe. Um, I mean, we don't really have that kind of penalty box predator player, do we? I mean, obviously, Perot's a good finisher, but he's not a penalty box you know, he's not an Eddie and Ketty type, is he? That's going to going to sniff around chances out in that way. I think Joseph is perhaps the closest we have to that player. So, I wonder if there's like a profile change you could have come up, come up with sooner. Um, particularly, with, like say with Ruta, who wasn't playing well, you could have brought Nonto on, who definitely added something to the attack compared to Dan James. Although he's he's done that twice in the last two games, he added something against Blackburn as well. I think he's looking like he's coming back into a bit of form actually. Nonto um, should probably give him a run out. Um, so yeah, a little bit slow. Um, I think what the my bigger concern was the the pressing changes he made at half time, and often the pressing changes he often does make at half time. Like he should be able to see them and make them sooner, and he should have made them within the first half. Like it was kind of obvious what was going on. Twenty five thirty minutes in, he could have made that those kind of pressing changes. You know, telling it's get got a message on, told the team to like drop into a mid block and and try and go from there. Second half, you know, maybe double up on. Uh, tell the right winger, tell tell Dan James to. Well, he was doubling up fairly well with with. But just time to drop back and 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 and, and cover that space so it, to stop Clark getting into the game. So I think it was more the, the pressing changes should have come earlier, and perhaps some of the sub changes could have come earlier. But you know, he kind of did make the changes, didn't it? Yeah, I would say yeah, he's just a bit slow. He's always ten minutes too slow to me. Yeah, that's that's what that's one thing I would agree with that it, it doesn't seem to come soon enough. That like it was definitely the, the right thing to do to take off Ruter and James, but he, he did that in the seventy fourth minute. And for me, I want those changes around the 65, 50, yeah, 55, 60 minutes, sometime around then. Because that is around about the time when Sunderland made their change and brought on Patrick Roberts, wasn't it? So yes. that's the sort of time when you want to do it. Because it was clear at that point that Dan James wasn't working and Ruter as well was trying too much, similar to the Blackburn game, and it wasn't always working. So those sort of things is what needs to be happening just that little bit earlier is to give us more time with those players on, on the pitch and to try to also just give the players a break who are uh, struggling. Like, why put them through that, that extra 10 minutes when they're really tired and played a lot of games recently? So, yeah, that is something which we have come back to quite often this season. And some some games I haven't agreed and that I felt that he, he did the right thing, but in this one, I think that he should have done it earlier because the players were clearly not improving from the first half. So once that becomes clear, 55, 60 minutes is when you want to make that change. So we had a number of questions about our midfield and um, Sue and Kamara. Some asking if we should make a change in this area. And one question said that they aren't creating enough or scoring enough and not creating for our forward line. Would you agree with this? I'm not concerned about the creativity or scoring because I don't think that's what they're there for, particularly. I wouldn't expect 
players of their profile and playing in that, the positions they're playing to score I mean, maybe Kamara can chip in with that one here and there if he bursts forward, but no, they're not really there for that. Um, I do think we should change it up a bit. Not so much we should make a change permanently, but I just think we're asking them too much of them to play all the games all the time. I think they should just be rotated. They must be knackered. Um, and I wonder if, you know, I think, I mean, I, I thought Ampadu was fine in this game. Kamara was a bit in and out, a bit like he was at Blackburn. Did some okay things and some weak things. I think you and Tom discussed that on the Blackburn pod. And I, and I was like nodding along in agreement the way you talked about Kamara there. And I felt the same in this game. You know, some nice moments where he broke clear and and and, and, and set things off. Um, some nice defensive positioning and some nice defensive duels that he won. But, you know, some sloppy touches, some weak, some weak passing, some some weak moments. But they're probably just they're probably just running empty. So I guess if we get the fullback thing sorted out, we've got Archie Gray to step back into midfield. And I hope when he when we have that opportunity that we just see more of a rotation and we always have just have a fresh option in the, in the midfield and just rotate them more around. So that's that's what I would say. But in terms of creating enough of the forward line, I suppose the only thing is we're not seeing a great deal of kind of line-breaking passes or kind of opening things up from deeper areas from these two at the moment, are we? Um, for the creative players to then pick up the ball in, in, in dangerous zones, I think that's the only thing we're lacking right now and, and, and perhaps that's something to look at and from a recruitment perspective going forward if... You know, if there's a more creative pass that we could get from the midfield, just just have a different profile in there, perhaps. But I'm not overly concerned about that element with these guys. I would I would agree with pretty much everything you've said there. Um, I don't think that it should be some, concerned about them directly creating or scoring goals because, like you said, that's not their job. Uh, their job is to facilitate the attacking players to, to do their job. So um, we've got very good attackers so we don't really need to, we generally don't need too much assistance in that obviously the past two games we haven't looked at our best going forward but again that's more about the attackers themselves not having good games rather than the midfielders not doing their job and getting the ball to them I don't think they do do a good job at doing that most of the time but I do agree that they sh- should be rotated some just to give them a break from playing and we've got Leah Groove who was wondering why he came to England <laughs> he's Barely been used, and it's only generally been to CSC out again, other than the one appearance that he's had, which I think he, he probably like could have done better in that maybe. But you need to give him more opportunities, don't you? You can't just judge everything off that one performance. And yeah, when that when the whole team nice. was off, you know, wasn't just yeah, him exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. There was it wasn't just him who was off, off off in that game. So I would like to see more of him, and maybe even some more of Shackleton in midfield. Uh, he has played well when he when he's this season and we haven't seen him for quite a while now I know he's just retur- returning from some injury I'm not sure what it was that he was injured but was glute. it a hand? No, it was a glute, glute injury was it? Oh was it a glute injury? That's yeah. right it was, it was Gelhart who had the hand injury wasn't it? I knew I've got yeah, a hand injury from wrist, somewhere Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right So yeah I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing some especially in, in the, maybe not in games of this importance but in other games where which we've got maybe not because the next one next two are pretty tough <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's difficult, but there does need to be more rotation with players to stop them burning out. Because when players play too much, obviously they always want to play. If you ask them, they'll say, "Oh yeah, I want to play. I'm ready to play, boss." But that should be when the manager steps up and says, "Well, I'm just going to give you a little bit of break. Here. We'll bring you on in the second half." It's not something we're seeing at the moment, and I would like to see more of it, especially with with, with Nonto. I think he needs to get some more time because he's been impressing in a few games, and he did a lot in. In the second half, I think he completed more passes than Dan James did, and Dan was on for seventy-four minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's pretty challenging. That we'd like to see some more of Nonto. 
no problem. Yeah, I, I think I think it's time for Nonto. I'm 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 of that opinion now. I think you know he's a more talented player than Dan. I mean, Dan James has been great. As that's, you know, give him his due. He's had a good time, but we're lacking spark at the moment. And Dan James isn't going to give you spark. Is he? He's just going to he's just going to get on the end end of things, isn't he? And, and be a pest and and put some chances away now and again. So yeah, we're we're lacking a bit of spark and creativity, and that's Nonto, isn't it? One hundred percent. It's it's time to have some change there. But moving moving on, there's been some debate about Sunderland's goal and whether Melier could or should have done better for it. What did you make of their goal? I think Mez messed up there. I think he I don't know if I don't know if it's got quite so strong as say he bottled it, but I think he, he moved out of the way of the ball. It was like a misjudgment and he should have been going for the ball, like getting his body between the ball and then he kinda of went to the right of the ball. So probably a misjudgment, but yeah, I think he he, he, sh- he should have done better. I mean, even if he just held his ground, he might have got something to it and he kind of almost moved out of the way of it, I felt. Don't know if you agree, but yeah, I was I was annoyed with Mez on that one. But I wasn't bothered at the time. Uh, it's like watching it back again and again when this question was coming up and I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's messed up. Yeah, I would agree. I, I didn't want to be too harsh on him considering the save which he pulled off in the first half, but the, the more I watched the, the goal, I do think that he could have done better. Uh, even if it was just just coming out like a couple of feet more forward than what he was. And he probably, if he did that, he could well have been in a better position to stop it. But I also think at the same time, he wasn't the only thing that was wrong with the defence in, in that moment. Uh, there was a couple of players who were watching the ball, um, Roden especially, didn't really do anything in that whole sequence. He was just watching the ball the whole time. Um, Pascal was the one to clear it out. I don't think Pascal could do too much better with the clearance than that because the uh, Boss was whipped quite towards his head. With, with yeah, he was, he was kind of, of nodding it down, wasn't he? It was, it was, yeah. he was just reacting and it went down, kind of thing, didn't it? Yeah, it kind of the the cross literally went to his head. He didn't have to move his head really, so he, he just literally could just react and get it out in any way he could. Which unfortunately it didn't fall into a good area, and it was immediately headed back in. But and there's also no one picking up the run of Bellingham at all. Um, there was no one. I think Ampadu was was also ball watching, and he but he did notice Bellingham. I've, I've watched this that many times. I've been watching each individual player and he, he noticed the, the run of Bellingham. He, he looked in the direction of Bellingham when Bellingham was making the move forward and he, he didn't react to it. He, he looked briefly, saw that Bellingham was there and looked back back to where the ball was. For me, I in guess, that situation... I guess he, he saw Rodan and Gray there, though. He probably thought they were covered, you know? Yeah, but you There's also had Jack, there, was there? You, you had Jack Clark coming in on the far side as well. So he 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 just he he drifted in at the same time as what Bellingham did. So I thought wasn't really doing anything in the midfield area there. He wasn't really marking anyone. So I think it it, it could have, it could well have just dropped in between Gray and um, Rodden at that point, and it could have right. But it was a lot happening in a, in a very quick time. So it's maybe harsh to pin it on any one individual altogether. I think there's a few things that went wrong with that. It wasn't just one player's fault. It's easy to say it's all on Melier there, but I think he just probably just take to the largest share of the blame, but it's not entirely on him, in my opinion. And as is usual, after a loss, there has been quite the head loss from our supporters on social media, uh, probably made worse by Ips- Ipswich picking up a win last night against Watford. Would you say it's time to panic, Dan? It's not a time to panic. I mean, we're on for a I don't know a ninety point season, maybe better with with a bit of good recruitment, um, and that's that's good. Most years that gets you up automatic. Often that'll get you the title. Um, um, I think we're as good. We're probably better than Burnley were last year, who won the league at a canter. I think we're probably as good as 
last time we went up as champions or in terms of the playing squad, we're probably better, aren't we? Probably not managed, managed as well. Um, so we're basically a good team. We're a kind of a good enough to be an automatic promotion team. And that's a, that's fine. Um, we're a little bit unlucky that Ipswich and Leicester are just sort of setting such a hot pace or set such a hot pace. Um, I think we have to, rec- I reconcile myself. I kind of keep joking this, but we're going to get, we're going to come third on 95 points, but I kind of, I, I do think that I think we're going to get 90 point plus and, and come third probably this season. That, that, that's what it feels like to me. Um, and that's frustrating. That's a little bit annoying, but what can you do? Nothing, nothing really. We're just, I'm just in, in, largely enjoying the football. Um, I would fancy us to go well in the playoffs. I know, I know, I know. We lead and we never do well in the playoffs, but you know, that's got to change at some point. So I'm just trying to be positive about it all, really. And you never know. Ipswich just have a lose to us and the lose to Leicester, and all of a sudden they're only three, four points ahead of us with half a season to go. You know, it's, it's, it can be turned pretty quickly, can't it? And they can panic. I don't know. You know, we could get some recruitment really right, and 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 the team could really kick on, and we could, and we could have the first half. We could have the second half that matches their first half and put 55 points on the on the board. Who knows? So yeah, just trying to be phlegmatic about the whole thing, really, or pragmatic, whatever it is, and just just saying, look, we're a good team. We're largely we're largely doing well. There are some things that slightly frustrate me about the team, but but overall, we're, we're like like I say, we're an automatically promotion quality team. Yeah, I would definitely agree with a lot of what you said there. It's it's unfortunate that we've had two teams putting up the starts which Leicester and Ipswich have, um, and the, the the two starts of their season is the highest points accrued by this point. Of all the seasons since the championship begun, um, so forty-nine points for Leicester, forty-eight for Ipswich. That's the closest to that after this many games is Reading in two thousand five, who got forty-seven, and in seventeen eighteen, Wolves got forty-seven by this point, and Wolves again in oh eight oh nine with forty-seven. So it's unlucky that you've got two teams doing that at the in the same season, <laughs> and I would agree it's not time to panic. Um, I think there is still plenty of, of games left in this season for things to turn around. And if also, if you look at the season in which we didn't get promoted with Bielsa, how much of a, we had a fair old gap between us going into the new year and we broke that record. No one had been top of the league at this point and not been promoted, I think was the start. So yeah, so anything can happen in football and it's definitely a long time to go. And no, I don't. Yeah, it's fine to be disappointed after a loss because we could and should have done better in this game, in my opinion. But it's not time to totally lose your heads. Have a bit of a whinge and moan, by all means. I, I mean, it's, it's a bit annoying that that um, the Ipswich just seem to roll on when they're not. They don't seem to be. I mean, they're good. Obviously, they're obviously good, but they don't seem to be outstandingly good. That that deserves this run somehow. Um, like, and it's quite annoying. But then. Whatever you know, they had the reverse last year, didn't they? They were the best team in League One by some distance, and you know, and got came second to Plymouth. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, like I said, they are are a very good team, but they do seem to be fall, falling on the good side of regression. I think uh, probably the wrong word. They're, they're getting the posit- They're getting the positive variance in there. Yeah, the, um, you know, deflected goals are going in for them, aren't they? Like against Borough, they get one up and then. Borough chasing the game and then Ipswich hit them on the on the break for the second and when they win two 0 you know without the without the deflected goal who knows how that game goes I've not watched it back I can't say but you know you're just hearing a lot of this kind of stuff out it's quite frustrating but you know that's football for you it is where it is but if we can do our jobs and beat them um when we play them soon then that will go a long way but if we do lose that one then maybe I will start to panic a bit that automatics will will be gone but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but I would like to end this part with some positivity. So 
who do you feel did well in this game? Well, I was going to say Ampadu, but then you blamed him for the goal. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can you can say Ampadu if you want. That's fine. I thought it, I thought he had an okay game actually. I, I, I worry about Ampadu and, and Kamara, but being isolated and having too much work to do. But I thought you know there's been a bit of talk about Ampadu's levels dropping recently. And I thought he was fine in this game. I thought he, he won a lot of his duels. His passing was tidy. He was sound. He just he just did that kind of good DM job that we want him to do. Um, it's just worth saying, yeah, just that one moment, I guess, we just didn't quite do his defensive job when they scored. Um, but I think the main one is probably, especially on the watch back, was Jed Spence. Yeah, just, we just saw his kind of, like his ball carrying and his power and his athleticism and, you know, just how he, I mean, quite a few times he just burned people on the on the pitch with his pace and power, carried it really well. And I just, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him on the right on his natural side where he can really kind of utilise that to, to our advantage. And I think could be quite fun seeing him marauding up and down the right side second half of the season but yeah I like Spence um, good performance that's the Spence we were kind of hoping for wasn't it that kind of powerful runner yeah absolutely was I would, I would agree on Spence I felt he had a very good game uh, he was at a couple moments in the first half I think maybe he wasn't quite as comfortable with the way he was receiving the ball and the angles that he had to pass at but I think when he got used to that I think he thought he grew into the game and his second half was a lot better and he actually had the most defensive contributions for us for when it came to tackles and interceptions. He had five combined, two interceptions and three tackles. He wasn't beaten in in a individual dribbling duel, uh, two out of two completed. And he also completed a few take-ons himself. He dribbled past a few players and did a lot of nice things. And I was very happy with his performance, especially on this weaker side. And I too agree that he would probably look very good on the right as well. I believe more so, where he's more natural. Um, but yeah, he was one. And another one who I felt had a very good game was Pascal Brow. I think he had a very good game. He, he was generally pretty dominant with most of his duels and he was good with carrying the ball out and he did a lot of good, good progression. And yeah, just generally very good. He did a lot of good long passing as well, I felt, in this game. Um, I think he, he was getting the ball out into good areas quite quick. And yeah, some nice Shane balls Martin. out to Dan James, like a lot of big digs and things to Dan James. Yeah, some nice ones yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, Dan Jade wasn't able to make more of those. <laughs> he didn't have a great game, didn't hold down. But we'll, we'll let him off. He's been he's been good this season. Uh, but yeah, those are the two who I'd want to highlight. And also a quick note to Archie Gray. said that he was on a yellow card for what, 60 minutes against Clark and wasn't sent off. I mean, th- we said this before, didn't we? I made this comment in the... After the Leicester game, you know, he had a bit of a hard time against Mavadidi for a while, then he got like on you know, he got to grips with him. I felt the same happened here. Like, tell me about Jack Clark in the second half. Yeah, nothing he didn't tell. do anything. Nothing in the second to say. Half. Yeah. I mean, after the yellow card, like, no Clark. I mean, you know. Um and I think that's kind of credit to Archie Gray is that, that mental fortitude that he can he can have that rough time uh, and 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 just kind of adjust his game and, and get on with it and, and and not give it away. So yeah, I just I just feel like um, yeah, credit to the credit to him for his kind of mentality and his ability to come back into a game where he he perhaps struggled early on. Yeah, uh, that's something we've seen a few times from from him, and that's it's great mental fortitude to be able to do that and just to come back from maybe making mistakes but not letting it affect you and just continue on with your game and continue doing the best that you can it's not something that you don't often see from a lot more experienced players so it's great that he's got that at his age yeah he doesn't he doesn't hide does he, he doesn't go look hiding from the ball he wants to get involved um he's i would say on the ball is we've seen a bit more from him as well at the moment some you know some nicer passing and combination play obviously the the, the assist at blackburn was really really great um so yeah, yeah just generally speaking he's getting so more confident. 
Yeah, it's get, making me more confident that if we do put him into midfield, we'll perhaps see a bit more. He's probably got more natural go forward than than Kamara and Ampadu might get some output from Gray if he put him in midfield. It's, you know, he's the, he's the cut midfielder that might drive forward and pick up goals over a season. So that's something that we would, you know, if we do get the fullback thing sorted out, um, having Gray in midfield might just just give a different dimension to that. You know, more confident Gray. Yeah, yeah if we don't. Have- don't have to rely, if we don't have to rely on him at right back, then I would like to see him some more in midfield as well. Yeah, for definite because he's good both defensively and going forward, which is always great. So yeah, and that is about everything for the Sunderland review. So quickly before we go, I will plug the Patreon just so Tom Alderson doesn't murder me in my sleep. Uh, throughout the season, we've been putting out bonus content via our Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a media platform in which you can show support to create as you enjoy and receive bonus content in return. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles and videos, and our patrons also get our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to our preview pods. We use these funds to enable us to pay for opposition fan interviews, which generally really helps to improve the quality of our preview pods, and just in general to up the quality of our podcasts and to help us grow further. We are working on an article at the moment. It's a player-focused article, which is slow work, admittedly, with how busy we are at the moment, but I'm hoping that this will be released in the next week to two weeks uh, if you do want access to this and you sign up it's patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon and additionally we've been tra- wanting to do more twitter spaces we weren't able to get one out for this game and we just couldn't get anyone available for it but adam has promised that he'll be available for the one against country and i will also be available so fingers crossed on saturday we'll have a twitter space for you so keep an eye out for that but that's about everything for tonight. We'll be back to preview our upcoming opponents, Coventry City, which is being recorded tomorrow with me, me and Dan again. But for now, I'll say thank you very much to Dan. You're welcome, mate. It's been fun. And thank you to dear listeners. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.